0: This morning's Dharma talk is uh, on uh, clinging, clinging uh, fixation, uh, upadana, is the Sanskrit, I believe. And uh, someone uh, from the uh, student talks yesterday asked me to talk about that. I don't know who it was, but good topic. So uh, that's the ninth in the twelve links of the chain of existence, which I have trouble remembering, but I'm sure you guys know. Anyway, uh. Anytime there's clinging, then there's becoming, which is the next one, uh, Baba, And then there's uh, the next four or next uh, two, which are uh, birth. And then the last one is very sad, sickness, aging, and death. So not good. It doesn't sound too good, does it? Sickness, aging, and death. But if there's clinging, there's all different kinds of uh, clinging. The ones that I'm going to talk about here, i writing it down since I have a slippery memory. So there's a grasping or clinging, excuse me, at a self, some ego. And then there's a, uh, grasping at uh, views. And th- that's the part I wanted to delineate a little further because it's much better said here than I can say. Self-grasping or, uh, self grasping or self clinging. First, one assumes that one has a permanent self. Um, and then uh, the views are, then one assumes that one is either somehow eternal or to be annihilated after this life. And resultant behaviors are clinging to rites and rituals or forms and then, uh, uh, clinging to sense pleasure of some form. And so and those are also deline- delineated a little further. Um, need more. I need notes just to figure out how to get home. I want to go into those and I wanted to make sure I didn't miss, miss it or because I don't really have memorized. Um, so the self, we've, we talked about egolessness and no self, no other and, uh, we talk about um, forms, uh, observing forms rather than clinging to the form or becoming uh, 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 fundamentalist about the form in order to feel safe. That's another kind of clinging. But the one that I wanted to talk about, and it's uh, here, uh, put forth by uh, in the Pali Canon and also by a uh, fifth century Indian master, philosopher, translator, Buddhaghosa. Bosco can let me, Bosco can let me know if I've mispronounced his name. (laughs) Amoralism denies any reward or punishment for either good or bad deeds. Uh, Fatalism, uh, powerless, uh, suffering is predestined. Materialism, uh, with death all is annihilated, kind of do whatever you want. And um, uh, um, eternalism, matter, pleasure, pain, and the soul are eternal and do not interact. And restraint, be endowed with, cleansed by, and suffused with the avoidance of all evil. And agnosticism, I don't think so. I don't think that in one way or another. I do not think that, nor not think that, suspension of judgment. So pretty thorough. So I'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions all written down. Um, And the way I talk about this is that you don't have to change anything. And I, I emphasize that as much as I can. But you, what you need to do is be aware of the clinging to a self, the clinging uh, to um, a view. It's either eternalistic or nihilistic or you can't know or all the different kinds of views that were just uh, enumerated there. And it is about seeing those, not changing into something else or grasping at a particular form. We don't even, if you're a Buddhist, you don't even believe in Buddhism. There anything to believe it's to be aware if you if you have a belief in anything uh then this is a this is clinging. and this when the body mind goes back into the elements i'm not predicting anybody's future i don't know what's going to happen to you nor to me but, but if you're if you're clinging to anything then that is going to uh, affect the consciousness uh in a way to uh uh, cause uh, attachment or clinging so that then it becomes bhava or becoming and then one comes back into this life again, uh, birth, um, and then, of course, sickness, aging, and death. It just keeps going around and back to ignorance again. Whether the sickness, aging, and death or uh, jara morana comes back to avidya or uh, ignorance, we're not sure about that. Some people will proclaim it that way and I think it's probably good not to proclaim anything. The only thing I pro- proclaim is: is train your mind. How do you do that? Look at your mind and see how untrained it is. So, uh, clinging at, uh, um, uh, clinging to views or thinking that things are eternal or nihilistic or you can't know or any kind of any kind of a stance on that uh, is uh, um, to be observed. So that you see that you're doing that. You don't have to change it. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't jump to a conclusion about this or that or right or wrong or up or down or Buddhism is correct and everybody else is missing the boat. I don't do anything with it. Have a willingness to live in an open dimension uh, where you're, where this is a, in Buddhism, this is called liberation. So if there's a, ta- going back to the attachment to the self that has a view, the attachment to the, to the self that thinks some forms are right, some things are wrong, and some person is not doing the form correctly, and of course, if you go past the middle two there, you go to the last one desire well everything everything's coming to an end. Um, when you die, you die, you're dead, you're dead. you might as well just enjoy yourself uh, uh, the ex- extreme of that is, of course, the hedonism. Just do whatever you want. have a good time, laugh it up. I can show you how to do that. I spent some time doing that. But that was actually a sincere smile <laughs> look kind of phony? <laughs> so questions about that would be would be good Joseph. what is pleasure um. Uh, a feather going over the nerve endings so it's nerve endings uh pain and pleasure are not two different things they just show up differently in consciousness and we grasp at one or reject the other so this smooth feeling is good but then something rough same nerve ending similar nerve ending in the consciousness in the mind uh in the feeling uh situation of the body seeing just like looking at something that's uh that's beautiful is beautiful but looking at a pile of garbage has a different different kind of resonance but it's also ugly. But then uh, artists come along who think they uh, are going to somehow conquer the world by producing art, which they might. That might be the only way to do this. I don't know. I don't really have a view on it, even though I spent a lot of time uh, studying and practicing uh, art. So the interesting thing here, and just to, uh, to give you an idea, you can take anything that is, uh, that is uh, conventionally homely or ugly and convert it into beauty, but if you understand it, if you understand its basic nature, same is true with your emotions. Just like uh, um, I'll use a uh, try to use an artist that uh, that people might know about. How about Van Gogh? <laughs> Van Gogh, is that how you say it? Uh, he took conventional kind of realistic uh, scenery and then converted it into a. Uh, intense colors that weren't, didn't reflect what was act, act, actually happening and converted that. And then there's other artists who have taken things that are uh, conventionally, um, are in their conventional appearance is, is beautiful or balanced and, and distressed that in such a way and still uh, got that kind of distressed kind of uh, sound to uh, manifest uh, beauty because of the balance, because of seeing the fundamental quality of things is about the balance. Uh, so, um, happens in music. Uh, a good example would be uh, um, Shostakovich, but his, his compositions were kind of uh, disturbing on some level because they're so intense. Um, uh, happens in the, in the arts and poetry, and, and if something is taken, the conventional beauty is taken, it's sometimes called uh, postmodernism or deconstruction or and so on. So, you can actually do that with your own consciousness your own mind if you just uh, uh watch the way you grasp at one thing and reject something else and we keep setting up a polarity set, setting up a polarity and this comes back to the original polarity which is me and you guys or this and the world those are not two separate things th- th- this is what the buddha discovered everything is dependent arisen. There, there isn't anything but the buddha the buddha when the buddha awoke and i wasn't there of course but uh uh also wasn't not there. He awoke to everywhere he looked, he saw himself, to put it uh, in a simple way. He didn't see something else is what I'm saying. He didn't actually see himself, but he didn't see anything separate. Saw no enemies anywhere. And this has to be done with the awareness it can't be done uh, that i know of with the thinking process although the thinking process is tagging right along and explaining everything and justifying everything and conceptualizing everything that's why you have the 12 links in the chain of existence that's why you have the affordable truth see full path blah, 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 blah. concept after concept trying to track down what just the raw attention the raw reception of the world coming through the sixth sense fields uh, as objects that belong to no one there is no owner there are no boundaries. That being said, you better recognize the natural boundary of everything or you're going to step across the boundary and it's going to cause pain to you or to others or maybe uh, maybe not. Maybe it will happen, maybe it won't happen. Go if ahead. If you cease to cling to opinions
1: and judgments, how do those opinions and judgments continue to exist? Or do they
0: just keep coming and going. They they find they find their own natural hierarchy. They may they may totally go away. They may come back. It depends on the causes and conditions. Everyone here here is a living being, as far as I can tell. Just make sure. Yep, I see no aliens today. So with you, (laughs) thanks for double checking. (laughs) I'd almost missed that one. (laughs) Definitely an alien. (laughs) So, So. the idea here is to be aware, is to be aware of what's happening rather than conclude or exclude or do anything with it. No, uh, no manipulation, no maintenance, no, no fluffing something up, tamping something down, do nothing with it. That being said, when, there's, when you see that there is no self and there is no, no other, then that may still operate in a way that other people might think that you're doing things. Um, you might even think that you're doing things. But there isn't anyone. There is no separate being. It's just it it is an illusion of separate beings.
1: I was wondering about yesterday during Shoka's talk on the skandhas, he was talking about um, clinging and you were asking him for another word and the word fixation Mm -hmm. came up. I was wondering um, how fixation
0: differs from clinging. It seemed like in the context there was some differentiation. So the, fi- the 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 clinging it might be will have a, a little bit more of an active trying to keep it from going away and making sure that you've got it together and you can go over it and over it. Like I'm kind of clinging to this, but so I can so I can teach because I can't remember all that stuff and don't work too hard at trying to remember things these days. But the fixation might be more like an opinion that it's always there. It's like yeah, this is what it is. I mean, I've always been a. Uh, uh, this or been that or this is what I was taught this is quite often what we hear from people well I was taught well I've always thought and it's almost like yeah and I'm not about to change either if you were to see what else was behind the, the scenes there another kind of uh, uh, way of describing it's a way of puffing yourself up so you feel like you are somebody I'm not saying you need to go the other way and feel like you're nobody and don't eat and and uh, and live in rags and go out on a mountaintop somewhere. That, that's the other kind of uh, kind of a nihilist, nihilistic way of looking at ego. You don't have to get rid of something that's unreal. If you see this unreal, it may come, it may go. may it may it may, uh, it may uh, get stronger, it may get weaker. But from the point of view of, uh, of who you have understood that you are or this is, nothing is threatened.. Mm-hmm. You're no longer afraid of anything. I'm not saying that you wouldn't run away from a burning fire because it wants to get burnt. You're not, I'm not talking about your your uh, your uh, stupid. Fire's hot, water's wet, earth is hard, wind moves. So you, you you're careful of that. But you're, but there's no no uh, overwhelming reaction or fear to things. The paranoia is gone. You're not afraid of something else because you see there isn't anything else. You actually see this. You actually see this, and yet. Your life doesn't change that much. You still bump into walls, thinking there's a door that, well, it's not a door, the door's over there. You still do odds, uh, things like that. Other people still impute ideas about you. Well, he's always uh, he's, he's always that And, yeah. and you, you might overhear it and you don't mind. You notice that they are, uh, they are not seeing the entire situation. They're clinging to ideas and perceptions and impulses about this and about that because people are threatened. We're threatened because we, we want to make sure that we're okay. We're doing the right thing. And it can, unless you, unless you begin to train your mind, you have to be a Buddhist. It might be easier because it's a structure. that has been there for 2,500 years. You might be able to do this on your own. There are a few people who may, might be able to do that just because of their karma. Yes. Oh, wrong Pisces. <laughs> uh, you know, fish, you know, two fish. You were saying something like
1: not much changes. But when you teach, it seems like you're really encouraging us to see what you see or to, to do something. See what you see. I can't see what I see. I can't even see what I see. Go ahead. So if it's not necessarily about something that's changing, what what's being encouraged that seems to be helpful for us to do this? Short, short short of a sales pitch. Um,
0: why do it? Why do it? In, 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 in Are you suffering? Then you need to look at it. And how do you do? How do you do that? You have a teaching, have a forum, have a teacher, have a community, uh, so that you can practice it. Because the the time—if you want to use the word time—which I'm happy to use—you've been doing this forever, avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. who you, are not just you, but me. So I know about it. Because I, when I came into this particular realm, uh, I after a few years I ran into a, a teacher. And the teacher said, look at this. And that's what I started to do. And so therefore, I'm now I'm functioning as a teacher. I'm not a, I'm not a person. I'm just functioning as a teacher. When I stop teaching, I go back into whatever it was I was doing, trying to figure out what time it is. Go ahead. How does looking at the suffering help us with the suffering? You see the way you keep creating it. You, see, you actually begin to see that you're actually creating a suffering by grasping By fixating more, so can we, while we're embodied, suffer less? You you won't mind with your suffering or not. You won't be concerned about getting rid of anything or getting more of something or getting less. less, There's no materialism going on once you see you're not separate from anything. There's nothing else. So whatever happens is is uh, just has its own its own self existence. It has uh, trees burn, uh, waterfalls unless it's evaporating of course. But you knew that. Go ahead. Are there different kinds of suffering? Yeah. Want me to list them? <laughs> there's a, whoops kind of suffering. And there's a, Oh my god, kind of suffering.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, please. Is there a an aspect of suffering that we aren't creating?
0: Well, you could you could you could open it up that way and say that we're not. If you're walking down the road and a, and a car hits you. Uh, or if you trip on something and fall down and skin your knees or something like that, that's pain. So those kind of causes and conditions are, uh, there, there's, there may be some kind of causes and probably are some kind of causes and conditions that are harder to see. It's like uh, the it says in the Sutra, tributary streams flowing through the darkness. But it's all those causes and conditions that are coming up uh, that are impossible from our situation here to trace those. On the other hand, you could see that you're not separate from this and you don't have any other problem. There's no other issue. Go ahead. <coughs> There's no other issue with it. So you could say, relatively speaking, sure, there's gonna be the eyes are in the front of our head. We can't see back here. On the other hand, that's even been used as a teaching that you actually do have panoramic awareness. It's called Vipassana. But it's not about uh, an awareness that has to do with uh, materiality or things or objects or phenomenol- phenomenology it has to do with just funda- fundamentally being aware. So you can't really miss anything. Go ahead.
1: The question from someone else online. Go ahead. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, Susan
0: Alcott, she
1: asks, do seemingly other beings reflect what seems to be ourselves? Can we therefore learn from what seems like reflection?
0: If I understand your question, uh, then I would say probably as long as the learning is a understanding that not just accumulating information about something or about ourselves or I'm this way or I'm that way or they're this way and they're that way. Those are conclusions. Though, though You can put those in books. The kind of learning we're talking about here is a learning that doesn't have any information level to it. It's just a deep understanding, sometimes called intuition. I mean, that's, that would be a relative way of talking about it, but in, intuition, even intuition has a polarity to it. I have a, a I think this is happening over there. I think this is. This feels like this or feels like that. That's still relative. Mm-hmm. Question from Vishal from San Jose it
1: says: If sitting, if just sitting is the only practice, why do we chant sutras? Is it an attempt to focus the mind before Shikantaza sit?
0: No. And I, I, didn't say that just sitting. We, we do all kinds of forms. It's about watching what moves. And if you. Chant, if you do forms, it's not a preparation for something else. It's just the form. Sitting practice isn't a preparation for something else. It's just the form. So it's not, it's not doing something to cause something else to happen. Although that may show up that way relatively for quite some time until you completely fall apart. In other words, your idea about yourself completely goes into the dustbin. And this is called liberation from the relative point of view. But from the ultimate point of view, nothing happens. I sometimes say, Nothing's happened. I didn't attain anything. I'm not anything. There's no solid being. There's something happening, but it's not a. It's not separate. And that that's my perception of it. And it's not really a conclusion, uh, other than I say something about it. So as far as that question, uh, I, I would, I would, would not go into the is this the preparation for that? And you know, obviously there are, there are, um, relative teachings. Or there are uh, provisional teachings that provide uh, some kind of a structure for us to continue to go deeper into the path. So, go further on the path. Uh, Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, if you want to use that style. Or the, the uh, uh, um, Shravakayana, Pratyekabuddha, Buddhayana, and Bodhisattvayana. There's lots of ways of breaking it down, but it's basically just this. And sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And then, if you need some forms, um, the Sutras or do some kind of uh, form that uses your whole body. Go ahead. Vishal has a follow up question. So is it okay to skip chanting? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's okay to skip rope. So I, I understand, uh, is it Vishal? So I under, kind of understand what the question is, but I would say uh, it, it's, It's dependently risen. So if uh, I would, I would respond differently to different people. If you have a teacher, uh, which is not this guy, but some, some kind of a teacher, then you should listen to them. And if, if they give you a form, then you should do the form without question. This doesn't mean if you're some kind of form that's ridiculous, you should, you could talk about it, but you should, you should practice the form. To have a validation or justification for the form is, it gets into a, a, a bunch of col- uh, a collection of conceptual ideas about why do this, why do that, why do it this way, why do it that way. It's about observing and to do to repeat a form, whether it's a chanting the sutras, which the content is the teaching. So that's one one uh, validation for doing it. You can repeat it over and over again. Um, but probably some forms, some physical form, is a is a good practice. Not skipping it and doesn't lead to something else. Further question on that is good. Uh, if uh, Vishal has it. I've been uh, reading
1: The Truth of Suffering by Trumpa and he talks about how the way that we, like we move or itch ourselves or like very basic neur- neurotic things that we do are suffering. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary through the practice over
0: time to pull back on some of that movement? A little bit. But it's more important to see it and watch how it occurs. Like just me Pinching my thumb a little bit like this is suffering. Suffering, the Buddha didn't say uh, life is suffering part of the time, rest of the time, you know, already you down. Know, life is suffering. Uh, there are nerve endings. Uh, life is uh, suffering. And so when we begin to see that, uh, it isn't some kind of nihilism. It's a deep, deep understanding of what, uh, what this human realm is fundamentally. A deep understanding that we're not separate from anything. Uh, if you have a, a situation over here where someone's hurting over here and you're feeling really sorry for them, but someone over here that doesn't look like they're suffering and you're avoiding them, uh, you're contributing to it. Don't separate anything. No prejudice. And how do you do that? You see the prejudice. You see how you feel really sorry for this situation, but these people over here got it coming. We do it all the time. That'd be like saying people who come to the monastery are really good, nice, kind, sweet people. but people who don't come to the monastery are idiots you know and they believe in something else and they're they're just going to suffer forever of course i'm being i'm emphasizing it but we do things like that we do the very subtle kind of we're kind of better than everyone else this Mm -hmm. is not true is there a relationship
1: between that fundamental neurosis
0: and the way we seem to project it out onto others there's a relationship until there isn't there's a relationship Tit for tat, this and this, this and this, until there isn't. And then when there isn't, it's just there isn't any relationship. I I don't know how else to say it other than to use those kind of terms, because it's not something else. It's just you just see it, you understand it. And even the seeing is extra, because then it implies someone who's seeing something. I was wondering around what you were saying
1: about we kind of have these strong preconceptions, whether it's through our ideologies or who we think somebody else is. I'm wondering how we can try to bring some beginner's mind, especially when maybe we've had a relationship with somebody for decades or a system or institution, how that can stay fresh
0: so that it can change. Uh, It probably would be quite individual. And my understanding is it should come out of the awareness that if one is a meditator, one's sitting down, which you are, most people in here meditate, sit down, hold still and watch the movement. And insofar as you can, don't conclude. But if you do conclude, then don't conclude about the conclusion. In other words, don't double do it, double do it. Double negativity, du- double, we just keep judging ourselves. And at some point there needs to be uh, such an openness that you actually begin to uh, uh, practice with this. If you, if, you, if you make friends with this, it very relatively, you're not gonna have any enemies. I mean, you might have people that are difficult, but interestingly enough, if people are difficult because you see completely the difficulty, you are no longer uh, have a personal uh, problem with them. So then you're able to, to relate with them very directly out of what you see, not out of your judgment, your ideation about someone is wrong or shouldn't be doing that or they're a bad person and all of that. We tend to operate out of our ideas and our opinions, our conclusions. It seems to be only possible to do that if we really have uh, have the emotions and the feelings deeply without Doing anything with them, like validating them, views, without taking away from them, views, and without covering them up, views, or no, no, no idea about what that's going to lead to, views. This is a uh, upadana, one part of it. More views on it?
1: what precedes clinging in the nidanas? Do you remember?
0: Oh, you mean in the twelve? Yeah. Uh, I think it's isn't it grasping? That
1: is upadana, the desire. Krishna
0: mm.
1: what's before it desire and then it goes into grasping or clinging. <laughs> yes I'm wondering if we can grasp without clinging if
0: that is so, yeah so that that's what I, I kind of differentiate and I, you know and I'm I have uh, you know people are gonna be able to remember this, but it's like uh, my understanding I'm not trying to change the teachings, but I'm just saying, there's a there's there's contact and then there's a feeling and then there's a either a grasping by pushing away. I don't like it or grasping by ignoring it, it doesn't concern me. I don't care about it. Or there's a grasping uh, by we want it. So then we grasp onto that. And then the fixation part, uh, which uh, something in there seems like there's a there's an aspect to that. That's the grasping part. But that can actually release very fast. And that, but then the fixation part is where we've stopped seeing that we're grasping and then we've got it by the throat and it's called an opinion. And so that part there, when the body mind collapses, it goes back into the elements. That part is still locked down in the consciousness and that's where uh, uh, bhava or becoming happen. So uh, um, then people teach this differently. So, and I'm not, I'm not arguing with anyone. If someone's talking about this differently, then listen to them, do whatever you want to do. But the way it looks to me is, There's the the wish for something, the wish to get rid of something, or the wish to not be bothered by it, very simply put. And there's all kinds of nuances there. So when you you can actually grasp it, Um, some teachings say you have to just stop desiring. I think that's a misunderstanding based on being around for quite a number of years and looking at the way my own mind works. So I, I think it's a matter of, seeing the grasping and don't fight with it. Don't fight the grasping. Don't try to stop grasping. That's, a, that's just reverse grasping. You've just gone the other way, on the other way. And it's just like a, a carnival circus. If we watch that we're grasping and don't try to stop it, are we still in the carnival? It won't matter. If there, if there isn't anyone, if there is no solid uh, uh, conjunction or, or um, uh, retraction into a being, who can get ahead or fall behind, or can be hindered? There's no contraction. Then, then the awareness doesn't belong to anyone. Then the awareness can 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 can, can it can surface surface as a as any dynamic. But it's but you, as long as there's a living being here, body mind complex, then you're kind of in for it because the karma that brought you into this life, uh, like I sometimes say, you can meditate all you want, but the shape of your ears is not going to change. Your karma brought you in here. Here you are. Uh, What's the teaching? Deal with it? Yeah, deal with it. Now, life is suffering. Sit down. Don't don't run away from anything. Sit down and look up. Find out who you are. Enjoy the suffering. When I say that, I'm not talking about some kind of perversion. I'm saying you're you you're so lucky, free and well-favored. You're free. You're free to listen to this teaching. You're free to walk out and forget it. And wh- where am I at with that? I'm fine with that. Do whatever you want to do. If you come in here and sit down, you give me a few minutes where I can tell you something based on what I've been looking at and what I've learned from my teachers and from uh, the teacher, the Buddha Dharma. And, but I would say find out who you are, how do you do that? Sit down and look at who you're not. Go ahead. We've been talking um, like the Jews on bringing up the 12 links,
1: especially around that area with clinging and desire. And it seems like some of the teachings they're encouraging us with liberation or realization to, to get outside of that or to, to break that, to not be reborn. And I'm wondering, how how do you approach that in your
0: teachings? How does? You, you, you're pretty much, uh, how do you say that? Mm, Shit out of luck, I think. Yeah, didn't you receive a vow, observe a vow to save all beings? You're coming back. If there is a back, you, you're going to come back because you've already vowed to put others before yourself. I know that wasn't explained to you very well. <laughs> Go ahead. That's where my question is coming um, out of. So it
1: seems like there's like an entrapment in the 12 links, but at the same time, a vow seems to keep us in that in a different way. So how does the vow keep us in the 12 links?
0: Yeah, it's just a, a, just changing your attitude towards relating to others, being kind to others. Very simple. And it will, it will morph or take its own form or drop forms altogether. You're not going to have a, there's no roadmap and your karma long as there's a, a, a form here, your karma is going to take you whatever direction is necessary for you to fulfill that vow. The vow is out of your hands. There's no one who, did, who made that vow. When you realize that, then the two things can happen at the same time. One is uh, an incredible understanding and really intense paranoia. Same time. Donovan?
1: Outside of the concept of a direct rebirth, one person to another, one soul to another or whatnot, what would be the source of one's
0: karma? I think the whole idea of a source is part of the situation. It really wouldn't fundamentally wouldn't be any source for any of it. It's actually uh, the, the 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 construct that we keep attaching to and grasping, and you know that actually that's the propeller. That's what does it. But the fundamental nature of it is nothing happens. This doesn't mean that the illusion of things occurring, life and death, and on and wars and rumors of wars and all the other uh, exotic things that are proclaimed. Well, I see your I think something's <laughs> clicking there. I can almost hear
1: it. It's yeah. trying.
0: Sure. <laughs> Vishal
1: yeah. has a, a follow up question. He says consistently, whenever I sit and watch, a barrage of sleepiness hits. Even I sit after a nine hour sleep. Any respite, or we stick to the quote, willingness to suffer? I
0: wouldn't go that far. Willingness to suffer. Just, Just sit. You don't have to. I mean, there are teachings that say, well, if you if you don't want to fall asleep, then raise your gaze and fill up the room with air and imagine all kinds of things. And I'm not too concerned with that, about that. I would say fall asleep. If you're facing a wall you fall asleep, you're only going to do it once. Once you bang your head into the wall, especially one of our walls, which are deliberately textured, those so that it gives you a slight concussion. So uh, falling asleep to... Uh, respond more to Vishal is a uh, just let yourself be it's about awareness it's not about staying awake and I don't care what the zen masters say or any of that it's not not a, I don't care uh, I respect that and they were teaching to a particular group of people and I'm I'm teaching to a particular group of people and I say fall asleep don't worry about staying. what you need to do is get to the cushion get to the cushion sit down hold still that's what you need to do hold still hold still and fall asleep hold still and fall asleep to so fall asleep fall asleep uh, and that and that awareness uh, awareness will uh, uh do whatever it needs to do in a relationship that you may continue to fall asleep uh you may you may never fall asleep again you may be alert from then on doesn't matter don't worry about conclusions you worry about conclusions and then you're continually trying to trying to get to be somebody else this is about being who you are be genuine one of the most powerful teachings Trunkler and ever gave was a, a, a two word speech that he had a whole group of people around, as I recall it. And I'm probably making the whole thing up, but uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, he said he sat up there and everybody waited for a Dharma talk, and all he said was be genuine. And then he left. The best talk I ever heard. One of the best. Yes. Michael Worthington has a question. I know him. He asks Is grasping the same as attachment? So th- that's where I would differentiate a little. Grasping is the actual ax- action of of, uh, of beginning to cling. But the attachment is uh, kind of it gets shut down and we don't realize that we're attached. When we're grasping, we kind of realize that we're moving into something with our claws out. We're grasping that. So, And there's different ways of talking about it. But the f- the fixation part, or once something that is already grasped, then uh, you have it. You can actually, you've got a hold of it. Now you can... You have your opinion here about things, about life, and if anything comes up that challenges that, you hold it. Well, uh, I think we're gonna um, that everything is coming to an end, and you might as well just party down because nothing happens. You might as well just enjoy your your sense feels and you know because of my idea, my opinion, and my you know we don't know we don't we have no idea. I think everything is possible, so anything could happen. Yes. Is there anything to do in post-meditation to see what we're holding on to? A little bit. I think it's different with each person. If you're naturally watching your movements, then I think that's good. But I wouldn't particularly fasten on and try to be mindful. Please don't do that. Don't do that. You, what you're doing is you're smudging all the work that you're doing, sitting down facing the wall. Keep those separate. Meditation and action is a misunderstanding. I'm just saying maybe it's my misunderstanding. not saying somebody else is misunderstood. I'm probably misunderstanding. So don't believe a word I say. I warn you all the time. Yes, sir.
1: How does meditation help us see what we're holding in
0: post-meditation? I think it's because of the movement factor, the idea of watch what, if you're, if you're sitting and you're watching what moves, you're going to watch the thoughts come and go, and then they'll go float away. And then, then you'll notice that your awareness is, uh, uh, is moving in the form of coming to the conclusion that, you're not, that nothing is happening. That's also movement. So anything that occurs is movement. If, if nothing occurs, then there's the conclusion that nothing is occurring. There's a constant chatterbox going on about, about this and about that and about this and about that. It's the very n- fundamental nature of separation is to think there's something else. To think that you are someone else. I have no idea what I'm gonna say. You could say, Well, that's obvious. But I don't I don't know think up anything. And that's why I brought these notes in. I need Budagosa to help me out here. I didn't even read all of his notes. He kind of went on and on. as those 5th century uh, Buddhists do. Have a little bit of time if anybody has a question. Joseph?
1: I noticed myself thinking that some grasping is okay and some grasping is not okay, like grasping at family members.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So is there good grasping and bad
0: grasping? It's just grasping. But here's the interesting thing is you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to be a person who doesn't grasp. That's like some kind of a conclusion where you kind of, I'm, I don't grasp. I notice all you guys are still grasping, but, <laughs> you know, I've meditated a lot down through the centuries, lifetime after lifetime. Finally, I made it back to help you guys. You, you can just watch it. You don't have to do anything with it to have any kind of agenda about anything other than train your mind. We you have to do something. But once you, once you, realize in yourself that you need to observe and see what is who you are get to know yourself it's not about it's not even about buddhism particularly as far as believing in something it's just about the teachings come down through the centuries and those who are practicing this are liberated from the from buddhism itself because it's a path that is not a a goal even trung pur Rinpoche has a book called journey without goal it's a journey and it it doesn't have a goal yes bichal has another question
1: Yes, two forty minutes sit morning and evening, or one sixty minute
0: sit once in the day. Uh, do whatever daily sitting uh, you can do uh, uh, depending on your job, your work, your family, but then uh, maybe once a week, do one block sit four hours, sit down, strike a bell or a water glass or something let's make a sound and sit there for four hours and when I say sit there, it's not a prison, so you sit down hold still and uh Half an hour later, if you have to go to the bathroom, go. No, no apologies, no excuses. Just make sure that that entire four hours is has a strong container aspect. You start it and you end it. Even if you the last two hours you don't sit at all, you go outside on the porch and uh, uh, count the sparrows. But make sure that that's a a strong container. Then your your consciousness, your mind, can do whatever it needs to do in, in relationship to that. But four hours four hours. If you're sitting half hour a day, an hour a day, two hours a day, six hours a day, that's good too. But uh, a block set, I think, uh, um, seems to be important mm-hmm. or not, or do we do something else? One more question, perhaps? Another question? Um, Don't okay. think it up now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Go ahead. I'll wait.
1: Uh, earlier you said um, something about taking something, something that is ugly can be made beautiful. Mm-hmm. So how can that be without wanting it to be different than it is?
0: So it's about awareness. And So I was speaking of uh, people who, who uh, uh, have, a, have a deep insight into the nature of things and don't know what to do with it, and they don't stumble into a spiritual path. Instead, they they're maybe already have some ab- ability with music or writing or language or something, and they, they go into a more focused area of the arts. And that's an area it's very similar to the spiritual path. It's not the same thing. Very similar. Uh, it would be good for people who are artists to do both—to have a mind, do mind training and also training in their in their music or their art or their whatever. Uh, but what they're doing is they're taking um, what shows up, depending on the form, and uh, orchestrating it, uh, making bringing forms together or textures or colors or patterns and so on together, so that so that it evokes. Uh, Beauty or, or balance. And sometimes that's done with a, a fairly, uh, a homely material. The artist that I point to often that I really love is a uh, Philip Guston, the painter who died in 1981. He was a, a New York school painter who, who deliberately used, you know, ashtrays full of cigarette butts and, and uh, people with, uh, uh, Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan hoods and, you know, really kind of difficult images, but brought them together in such a way that the balance was there. So they were orchestrating, they musicians, or they're, they're, you know, bringing forms together in such a way that it evokes uh, uh, the ultimate nature of, of the world, which is uh, uh, perfect. Go ahead.
1: So if it's already apparent or created appearing, how can you see the natural balance or beauty in something that appears difficult?
0: Continue to look at it and see how much of what you're projecting onto it is actually your projection, your ideas, your opinions. That's specific to you if you want extra personal help. You look at things, not that other people don't do it, but you look at things and think you know what you see. You come to a conclusion about everything. Have you noticed? You don't have to agree with me just because you're on TV. Let me have it. Have you noticed? You know how I know about it? I do it. I do it. I do the very thing I'm pointing out. I want you to do that also. I want you to see what is in front of you. And that starts out being your conclusions about everything, every person, every being. We're constantly concluding and judging everyone. It's it's much easier to judge those guys than this guy. If you see you're doing it out there, then you'll start to look this direction. Please do that. You're welcome. I caught you before you said thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, one more? Go ahead. Susan had a question. I I can take one more. Go ahead. Um,
1: And also, you. Also what? Also Mayune, just
0: like the right one to pick up the phone I'll questions. take one from Mayune too. I, I rarely get a question from her. Susan asks, What are choices? What are choices? Um, wrong. <laughs> 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 I mean if you notice you make a choice, you think oh, I made a bad choices? <laughs> <laughs> you need to make the right choices. How many times have you heard that lecture? From countless numbers? Oh, well, you need to make the right choices. I mean quite often Everybody, we didn't say it to ourselves, but the the uh, choosing idea is built on the dependability of relative truth, and it's not dependable. There are no favorites in relative truth. That's why it's called relative. Do you have any relatives that are dependable? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Keep coming. Um, Question for Mayun. Mayun is the role of an artist to manifest the ultimate nature of the world yes well said
0: thank
1: you so much